BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose podcast brought to you by justthenews.com. Today is Tuesday. The 18th of October, we've got a lot to talk about and not a lot of time in which to do it. I don't know where to start. Why don't we start with this New York Times poll that came out this morning, Gary? Uh, Why are we doing so well? In all these categories, we're up 10, 15, 20, 35 points. I, being a uh, glass uh, uh, nine-tenths full guy, uh, look at the negative here. I don't think these numbers have anything whatsoever to do with us. Republicans, we haven't done a damn thing. I think we're winning right now because people hate the Democrat agenda, hate Democrat left-wing wokeism, meaning the pressure really is on us to deliver if we win. Yeah, Tom, I look, um, I'm skeptical of the the polls generally. I, I didn't believe them when they showed we were, you know, underwater, down by five or six, uh, may not gain any seats in the House, definitely wouldn't gain the Senate. And, and now, you know, one of the things that jumped out at me at one of the polls, it might have been the Siena College poll or maybe it was a Gallup poll. 30 days ago, independent women favored the Democrats over us by 14 points. Fast forward to 30 days and independent women favor us over the Democrats by 17 points. So we're supposed to believe there was a 31-point move among independent women away from the Democratic Party to us in the last 30 days. I think the polling industry is broken. I don't think they know how to measure the new vote that's out there, the millions of people that Donald Trump brought to the Republican Party and into the political process that hadn't been there before. I think that industry will literally be in crises, at least some of the organizations, and it will be uh, if the election returns turn out to be different than what they're saying right now. Uh, having said all that, I, I think you did touch on what we both know is, a, is an ongoing problem. You know, when when Ronald Reagan was president, it became a Ronald Reagan presidency. It became a Ronald Reagan Republican Party, I'm I'm sorry. It became a Ronald Reagan Republican Party. And it stood for something because he demanded that it stand for certain things. And then we went for years being the war party, being the, we're the party that's going to cut your grandma's social security, uh, to this, to that. And then Donald Trump came along and we became the working class Main Street American First Party. And that was standing for something. And it brought in 8 to 10 million working class voters of all races that hadn't voted Republican before. In this, now he's it, gone. Now he's gone. And we're back to, uh, well, here's what we're not going to be. And uh, here's what we're not going to do. And uh, we don't want to get into that. And we don't want to get into this. 
I, I watched uh, one of the Republican senators from uh, Louisiana on, on Fox a couple of days ago asked a very simple question. If the Republicans get the Senate back and the House back, are you open to impeaching uh, Joe Biden over his quid pro quo with Saudi Arabia? Well, uh, we don't want to get into politicizing the, the, uh, the impeachment process. That's not the right thing to I mean, we were, it was once again, the desire of the Republican Party to run as fast as their spinely legs will carry them back to the politics of the 1950s when they're not fighting the Democrat Party of the 1950s, nor is this the America of the 1950s. Are you reading my notes? Because my very next question is, has there been a single elected Republican official that has called for the impeachment of Joe Biden? And the answer, of course, is no. My, my, my point here is yours, I believe. You gotta, sometimes you have to fight fire with fire. The longer and the more often the Democrats see that they can get away with outrage after outrage, with nothing but pusillanimous response from Republicans, that only encourages them. Anyone that's raised a child knows that. Right. You have to push back. The only way this is going to stop, the only way Democrats are going to stop impeaching, trashing, trying to destroy Republicans is if we ever for once give them a taste of their own medicine. I, I want to hit you with this. Mitch McConnell. All right. We've got who? Who? Uh, seriously, I haven't seen the man for weeks now. Well, I, go go I to have, Alaska. I, You'll find his $9 million that he's yeah, dumped into yes. that race where you yeah, have my, Republican. My hat, go ahead. I was just going to say Republican against putative Republican in a, a general election because they've got this uh, ranked choice voting debacle. So they have Lisa Murkowski, who's a, up for her fourth term, by the way, four terms as, a, as the uh, poster child for rhinoism against this truly extraordinary a candidate, Kelly Shabaka, who just very, very impressive. And Mitch McConnell is spending precious Republican Senate campaign dollars on an internecine battle in Alaska. Shouldn't that money be going to Dr. Oz, to Blake Masters, to Herschel Walker? What is he doing screwing around in internal Republican politics in Alaska? Well, the answer... Uh, Tom, it doesn't, the answer doesn't make him right, but the answer is there's a fight, continuing fight going on about what the Republican Party will stand for, what kind of Republican Party it will be. And there are guys like McConnell that are much more comfortable going over and having lunch with the, you know, the Fortune 500 companies and with their big financial donors than they are with a working class Republican Party. A Republican Party that doesn't think trade with China was a good idea when we started doing it, and it's clearly not a good idea now. I, it is. It is more than uh, outrageous, Tom. It's demoralizing. To get back to to the question we were we started this conversation with, when there's a Republican president, a conservative president, we've got the Congress. The whole national debate is taken up to this level of the constant scream. 
every time the American people get up in the morning and turn on the TV, go to their computer, open the newspaper, they're hearing, oh, my God, this Republican president just violated the Constitution. Oh, no, look at this Congress. They're violating the rules of civil discourse. Oh, no, look at this. This is, a, this is the 10th thing in the last four days. It is impeachable. It's constant turmoil. Constant, you know, this is not normal. Things are really bad. What did I do? I made a terrible mistake. Then when, when they, they get back into office, we act like, well, uh, we certainly don't agree with their attempt to you know, make the federal bureaucracy uh, larger. Uh, government ought to be smaller. Well, are, do you think he's doing anything that's impeachable? Well, we certainly don't want to politicize impeachment. So what the American people see is, well, I might not agree with this Democrat in the Oval Office or Schumer all the time, but at least they're not crazy people. They're not nuts. They're not violating the Constitution. They're not, we, we are like, well, I, I don't, I don't know how else I don't, I don't come up, I can't come up with a good analogy other than just what we are doing. We seem to be always running on, we will restore normalcy. And what normalcy ends up being is that when they're in office, they gain ground by hundreds of yards at a time. And when we're in office, they gain ground slowly. More slowly. A quid pro Jill, you alluded to it earlier. I just want to put a, a finer point on exactly what we're talking about. Joe Biden, the Biden administration, uh, attempted to and is still openly attempting, that's the biggest joke of all, to bribe a foreign power to rig oil prices to help a political party win a domestic election at home. I mean, Quid Pro Joe wasn't upset at Saudi Arabia for what it had done to the country. He's upset, and the Democrats are upset, for what they perceive that MBS has done to their party. How much more quid pro Joe can you get? Well, ask Joe. It gets worse because now we know that the Biden administration tried bribing the Saudis to delay production until after the midterms by promising, and this is from one of these whistleblowers, to buy Saudi oil to replenish our SPR, the Strategic, Strategic Petroleum Reserve, if the price of Brent falls to $75 a barrel. This directly contradicted all the statements that the Biden administration, White House officials, were making as recently as yesterday that there was no plan whatsoever to refill the SPR. By the way, the SPR created by Richard Nixon in the aftermath of the Arab oil embargo of 1973 to protect us in the event of a national emergency. And I don't think the risk of Democrats losing Congress would constitute a national emergency, so they tell us. So now the press, they tell the financial press one thing, but they tell the Saudis exactly the opposite. Hold off until after the election, and we'll refill our SPR with Saudi oil. I mean, so in other words, Biden was bribing the Saudis, still is, by the way, with a mega fortune in your taxpayer money, my taxpayer money, as a hedge against a drop in oil prices to refill the SPR that Biden has been outrageously uh, depleting for brass political purposes. Uh, I, 
I don't know how else to explain the White House announcement that it's going to end releases from the reserve at the end of the month. Isn't there an election right at the beginning of next month? And yet nothing. No denunciations from Republicans. No demand for hearings. Nothing. Look, Tom, it's, it's, uh, it's outrageous. I mean, it's when every Democrat ran to a microphone to say that the call that Donald Trump made to the president of Ukraine was unprecedented, a clear violation of the Constitution, an impeachable offense. All of the country heard that and said, well, it must be serious because all the Democrats are saying it. And some Republicans are saying it, too. But when when Joe Biden does the exact same thing, I would argue even, you know, way beyond anything that Donald Trump suggested in that phone call with Ukraine. And there's only, you know, an odd Republican here or there or two guys named Bauer and Rose that are saying, you know, that's impeachable what he just did. If what Trump's call was impeachable, this clearly is impeachable. And they, they don't do it. Tom, I, I, I don't know how it is the Republican Party, uh, decade after decade, seems to keep attracting more and more people that would be much more comfortable with being accountants than they are in, in being fighters in a political re- arena at a time when great issues are up for grabs. Now, on the plus side, Tom, I look around the country in races right now. J.D. Uh, Hayworth in... Uh, yes. oh J.D. Vance, I'm sorry. J.D. Vance in Ohio, for example. Even Herschel Walker in Georgia, who's not a political type person at all. Uh, this Carrie Lake running for governor of Arizona. Oh, she's outstanding, isn't she? These people know how to fight. Uh, you know, a, a, a little while back, uh, uh, Vance and Ryan had a debate in Ohio. And I don't know if you saw I it. I did but see it. Vance uh, confronted Ryan and said, you are calling me a racist because I want a secure border. And you know what that does, sir? I'm married to a minority woman. Woman, I have three mixed-race children. Those three children are being harassed at school by thugs because you called me a racist. They're being called racist. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I mean, he pinned Ryan's ears back, and Ryan, it, it doesn't completely describe it to say he had the look of a deer in, in a headlight, right? He looked like a dead deer. I, I mean, he didn't know what to say. I thought it was one of the great moments in debate history, and there are a lot of those. Herschel Walker, you know, getting beat up on by the Reverend uh, Warmock in, in uh, Georgia, and uh, talk, who's talking about Black Lives Matter and a woman's right to choose. And Herschel Walker looks at him and says, gee, Reverend, uh, uh, in uh, Atlanta, the great majority of abortions taking place are killing little black unborn babies. But you say Black Lives Matter. Apparently their lives don't matter. I mean, that is the kind of stuff that the Republican Party should always be doing. And it's been classic outsiders that have been, I think, trained by Donald Trump for four years that are fighting back effectively. You are listening to the Bauer and Rose podcast brought to you by JustTheNews.com. Hey. 
Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, everybody. Bauer and Rose podcast. Uh, it is Tuesday, and we're uh, plowing through here on October the 18th, just a couple of weeks before the midterms. I wonder whether or not we finally have found kryptonite for the wokeocracy. I don't, you probably have heard of this, but I bet most of our listeners haven't, and that says it all. American Muslims uh, proving, once again, where one never knows redemption's going to come from, uh, took over a public school board meeting in Dearborn, Michigan last Thursday. Uh, that is, I think, America's only Muslim-majority public school district to go ballistic at school board meetings over gay and transsexual books uh, for kids on public school library shelves. They took on the teachers' unions. They took on the LGBT activist groups. And good for them for doing it. But the pro-LGBT speakers were apologetic for offending Muslim sensitivities, insisting that their attempt to keep these sexually explicit, disgusting materials from kids... It's porn. Ama- exactly. Speak, amounted to erasing, you know, gays, and they're, they're, they're looking for more understanding from the Muslim community. And finally, finally, at least locally in the Detroit area, the media is treating the parents respectfully. They aren't domestic terrorists. They're concerned parents from an oppressed community whose values need to be respected. I think that's the most hilarious. We may have found the kryptonite for wokeism. Muslims. Well, Tom, I guess I'm going to probably have to disagree with you on this. Now, you know, there's all kinds of videos up. You can selectively pick things. And maybe the video I saw was selective. But it sounded to me like the representatives of the LGBTQ. Just keep going. There's only 21 more letters to go. Right. Yeah. I got to the point where I can't do that without taking a breath. Uh, that the, the representatives of that particular radical group, I'm not going to use the word community. There isn't a heterosexual community. So I'm not going to say that it's a homosexual community. It's a radical lobbying group trying to change the values of America. They were looked pretty darn mad to me when they went to the microphones. And they were saying things about their Muslim fellow citizens that the Muslim Americans that came to the microphone were pretty darn uh, upset about. So, uh, I, but I, I do, I certainly agree with the bigger point here that I, I think as there's an attempt by the progressive left to impose on America a sort of radical secularized neo-Marxism that turns us into something unrecognizable for, by the founding fathers, let alone any patriot, that we're going to find there are people whose faith tradition we may not agree with at all or who don't even have a faith tradition that are going to find that are going to say to themselves, this is a bridge too far, not with my children. The other thing that jumped out at me, Tom, is there were Christian parents there, um, but they were a small minority of the overall crowd. 
So we, if you take the Christian parents out of the video, what you're left with are a bunch of Democrats screaming at each other. You were left with a bunch of Muslims who are voting Democrat screaming at a school board of white progressive liberals who are Democrats and also arguing with a bunch of people representing the LGBTQ plus radical viewpoint who are a bunch of Democrats. Uh, and I say, may their number increase. I, I mean, <laughs> there are inherent coalitions in the Democrat Party. It is really interesting how big cities who are ridden by crime conducted by Democrats and governed by mayors and city councils who are Democrats blame Republicans for what's happening in their city. <laughs> the the other thing that struck me last week, and this was MSNBC, this was CNN, it was also Fox. Nobody seems to have, have picked up the irony here. The school board meeting, I think it was in Virginia, where the woman actually read passages from a book that seventh graders were assigned to read. Words that, I mean, all had to be bleeped, right? Now, here we have the media bleeping out words and concepts from children's books, allegedly children's books. Federal law bans the use of words on public airwaves that our children are being forced to learn. Is that not the ultimate irony here? It, it, well, it is. Look, there was another case where a woman stood in line at the microphone at one of these school board meetings recently, and she was dressed the exact same way the drag queen who visited her children's school was dressed during a reading hour. And it was pretty provocative I, clothing. I, I missed that. And when she got up to the microphone... People on the school board said, uh, ma'am, do you think that's appropriate way to dress at a school board meeting? And she said, do you think this is an appropriate way to dress in my child's school? But that's what you allowed to happen in my child's I school. I didn't see that. Yeah. I mean, we're getting very creative. I mean, we need some of these folks to run for office, you know, if the Republican Party doesn't try to ostracize them. Uh, yeah. So there are some there are some really good signs out there. Uh Tom, this will infuriate you. Back in uh, the, the 1940s and 50s, probably going more into the 50s, when there was a burgeoning civil rights movement in the South against the segregation of the South. And as we all know, there were, there were drinking fountains for whites and blacks. There were also libraries that were only for whites. They might say, they might not say on them white only library, but if black people tried to go in and use the library, they were mistreated and mm -hmm. discouraged or whatever. Very sad, very bad thing. And obviously, thank God, the civil rights movement prevailed and in libraries and other facilities are, are integrated. In fact, the only people today arguing for segregation are white progressive liberals. But that's a story for another podcast. The Washington Post took that. And you're going to probably guess in pretty short order what I'm getting ready to say. They took that big article just a couple of days ago. This, meaning now, this isn't the first time libraries have come, to, come under attack by the radical right. Just a few decades ago, 
White segregationists tried to keep blacks out of libraries, threatened libra librarians. Librarians lost their jobs. And now today, when we thought those years were over, it's happening all over again. So it is morally equivalent to the left if you disgustingly try to keep people out of a library because of the color of their skin. That is the moral equivalent of putting in the children's section books teaching them how to perform sodomy with an adult. That is the fevered leftist mind that some people on our side want to say, well, we need to be rational. I mean, we need to be gentlemen and ladies when we have these debates. We need to find a middle ground. There is no middle ground on the issues facing America today. What are we going to do? Have drag king queens on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then heterosexuals on Tuesdays and Thursdays? No, no heterosexuals. Heterosexuals are the oppressive class. What is the uh, motivation for the cruelest, most insidious of, uh, of purposes? That is to rob children, to destroy the innocence of children. I find that so evil, so vicious, so malevolent. The only possible purpose I can see is as part and parcel of an effort to crush the very backbone, the very fabric of the society in which we live. Yeah, it is a combination of nihilism, Tom, uh, of, uh, of a war on, on anything that's normal, of throwing off all the binds that prevent uh, in a country like the United States from people doing whatever parts of their body tell them to do, uh, the Judeo-Christian tradition, rip it out of the way. It is an effort to drive a permanent wedge between parents and their children. As multiple Democrats have said, who may claim they're not for this, but multiple Democrats have said, look, when those children step into that school, those children belong to the teachers and the principal and the school board, not to their parents. We've seen Democrats lose elections because they were stupid enough to say things like that. This has been going on for a long time. It started at the university level. Some of the, the sorriest, most emotional mail I ever received in my entire career in this battle over the years has been the letters from parents who said we saved all of our lives to send our daughter our and son to fill in the name of the university. And one year later, they came back home. They hate everything we stand for. They believe we're bigots. They've rejected the faith we raised them in. And this was going on year after year after year. And when we weren't paying attention, it started moving down to kids going off to high school and suddenly the parents don't recognize them. Now it's little kids sitting in the second and third grade and teachers saying, now I want to show you a book, but this is just between me and you. This is not for your parents. Or here's a survey we want you to have that this is just our secret. I'm telling you, Tom, it's demonic. Uh, uh, Bill Bennett the other day on Fox News discussing a related matter, and he was asked, well, what is the answer to this? Do we need more of this or more of that? And he kind of paused, and he goes, I don't know. We may be in need of an exorcism. <laughs> He's right. He is right. What I mean, is more precious, more sacred than the innocence 
of a little child. You're listening to the Bower and Rose podcast from justthenews.com. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back, everybody. Bauer and Rose again. I, we're, we're running out of time, but I did want to, you and I have not talked Ukraine yet. And I've done a well, lot. You're wrong and I'm right. I don't know how much time we've got, but you're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> uh, you know what? You might be right. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this. I uh, was in Ukraine in March, right after the war broke out. Uh, stick with me here for a minute. I want to see if there is... Uh, a piece of history that might give us some sense of where we could go here. All right, the the battle between Russia and Ukraine. The war actually started in 2014. It didn't start in February. This iteration of the war. But the war between Russia and Ukraine started a thousand years ago. And it's been an ongoing battle between the Slavophiles and the westernizing Russians. But... Finland, 1939. Stick with me, Bauer. Stick with me. It's hard, Tom. We pay very little attention to this war between Finland and Russia in 1939 because World War II was so colossal, so huge. In 1939, after the war started, Stalin, you remember him, wanted to change the borders of Finland because the Finnish border on the Karelian Peninsula was so close to Leningrad that German artillery could obliterate Leningrad without ever crossing into Soviet territory. So Stalin wanted to do a deal with the Finns, push the border back, we'll swap territory for you in the north. So Stalin asked Karl Mannerheim, the president of Finland, a former czarist uh, officer in the Imperial Army when Finland was part of Russia, um, so that Stalin could better protect Leningrad. Stalin's argument was, look, you guys, you say you're neutral, you say you're not going to be taken advantage of, but you're this tiny country. You're not really sovereign. You're going to be used as a platform by somebody, whether you want to or not. You've got 4 million people. We've got 150 million people, and we've got the world's largest army. So really, it's, 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 it's up to you, right? How do you want to deal with this? And Stalin was, didn't have a lot of credibility, was not a terribly credible guy at that point. So the Finns... As he's trying to negotiate with the Finns, the Finns are looking around and they see what's going on. They see what Hitler did to the Czechs. They see the West standing by doing nothing. And then they see what Stalin's doing to the Baltics, forcing military bases and then annexing them. And the Finns understand the Russians all too well. They were part of the Russian Empire for 175 years, whatever it was, until they were liberated. So they're not really buying Stalin. They don't trust him. But Stalin, as, as the archives have now openly demonstrated, was sincere in trying to negotiate with the Finns. It's a totally different approach than Stalin ever took with anybody. Um, so after the Finns said, no, we're not doing this, Stalin made 
a concession after concession after concession. The Finns didn't buy it. Stalin got honked off, invaded. The Russian army was obliterated in the first couple of months. Historians now agree that the performance of the Red Army in that first iteration was what led Hitler to believe he could crush the Soviet Union. But guess what? Stalin pulled back, started listening to his generals. They put together another military plan, came back six weeks later, and pulverized the Finns, took everything they wanted, didn't give anything in return, and set the stage for Operation Barbarossa, which was later. I guess my point in all of this, Gary, if you're still with us. Well, if anybody is listening to us. <laughs> no, is, is that, and, and this was Churchill's line, never ever underestimate Russia and never overestimate them. They're never as strong as we fear and they're never as weak as we hope. So this war in Ukraine, my prediction is there'll be a ceasefire probably next spring. It'll get broken. There'll be another, this is going to go on. It's been going on in a hot war fashion for eight years, uh, it'll continue. There'll be a series of ceasefires, but this thing is not going to end anytime soon. And, and don't underestimate means, the Russians. And that means we should do what? That I was going to turn that question on you. That means that uh, I think we keep supporting Ukraine, but be very, very careful about how we support Ukraine. What we indicate to Ukraine is acceptable and not acceptable Biden has this, this um, slogan, which sounds great. And as a matter of fact, I wish uh, they would use it vis-a-vis Israel. And that is, no decisions about Ukraine without Ukraine, right? If only they said that to Israel. If only, you know, no decisions. In other words, we're not going to get back into a nuclear deal with Iran without some input from the Israelis. So I think the American people have a right, A, to know where the money is going, B, what our end game is. What is our end game? I think, uh, I mean, the Ukrainian defense has been extraordinary. Um, the notion that somehow Ukraine is going to win back all its territory, the Russians are going to cede Crimea, Putin's going to walk away humiliated. I, I, I just think that's a misreading of history. It's, it's not going to happen that way. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't support Ukraine to an extent that's consistent with our interests. And the question is, what are our interests? Okay. Uh, so how, how much time do I have, Tom? Uh, you have 16 seconds. Ready, go. Okay. Here's what I, I would urge you to think about. I cannot think of any foreign policy that Joe Biden has put his hands on that ended up being a good thing for America. Every position on foreign policy he has ever taken has been wrong or he's been inept in implementing that foreign policy. So I do not understand the tendency by the, by the, the, the branch of the Republican Party that over the years has made it easy for people to think of the Republican Party as the war party. That has been a big impediment to the Republican Party becoming the governing party of the United States, that it appears we like war. So we're egging him on. He couldn't even retreat effectively and efficiently. But we want him to stay tough in Ukraine. That makes no sense to me. Zero sense to me. Secondly, 
we've gone right back to pre-Trump. No matter all the preening of Europe and so forth, we are carrying the great majority of the burden. They are still not meeting their NATO commitments. The only thing they're doing in, in Europe is putting their own populations through hell. It is going to be a brutal winter of people dying from the cold, of economies being wrecked, and for demands of bigger government and more socialism, both in Europe and here. I don't think this makes any sense. I think you have to judge what's happening not by what happened in 1939, but by the current state of leadership in the United States, including the leadership of the United States military. I don't know why any parent with a son or daughter in the United States military want to do anything that would put that son or daughter at risk because we have leaders not worthy of the young men and women wearing the uniform. I think we're heading toward a disaster. I think Don, I think that Joe Biden would love in the next three weeks to come up with something that looks like a huge crisis in Ukraine and to be able to go on national television and tell the American people to unite around him and our military at this time of need, hoping that all he has to do is move two or three percentages of the vote, and suddenly Senate seats were going to win, we lose. I just think it makes no sense. We're conducting a foreign policy as if Ronald Reagan or Donald Trump were president and the kind of people we used to pick to run the Pentagon and the kind of values we used to have in the military when we had chaplains who are being kicked out while drag queens are coming in. So I think we're on a really dangerous path, Tom. We're on a path where it's going to be harder and harder for normal patriotic Americans to love America and love our military because they're both being transformed in front of our eyes into something that most Americans don't want America to stand for. Well said. Well said. I do think uh, the Ukrainian resistance has been absolutely heroic. Look. Your point on the American military brass, if I could dispute it, I wouldn't. But I can't, so I won't. Mark Milley, the genius, modern Milley, uh, gave Ukraine three days at the outbreak of war. Uh, Biden's first reaction was to secret the Ukrainian government into exile. It would be over in three days. We've extended, uh, in terms of military, an extraordinary amount, about $17 billion plus God knows how much in, in economic aid. Uh, the Europeans, to their credit, and here's where, where I will push back a bit, about 60%, you're right, we're sharing uh, most of the burden, we're bearing most of the burden, but 60% of military assistance has come from us, and 40% has come from uh, the Europeans. Now, if you break the Europeans out, the Germans started off by saying they're going to do all this. They haven't done squat. It's the Poles, it's the Baltic states, it's Romania, um, it, it's, it's the UK, which is next behind us, but, um, you, you, Tom, you, you see what's happening in the UK? 
They're in a crisis. They're in a terrible crisis. But They're Joe Biden, but crisis. Joe Biden, of course. Do you know what's happening to us? We just spent, how much did you say? How many billions in Ukraine? Total? About, yeah. well, over 50. 50 That's 17 dollars. in uh, military and the balance in economic. And God knows where to, that'll go. Right. We had to borrow every dollar of it. You're right. Yeah. What? How does that make sense? How does that make America stronger for the future? We are borrowing ourselves into bankruptcy. We're not, we're depleting our own military in the meantime, sending the weapons over there, just like we're depleting our strategic oil reserve. Well, the issue, of course, is if Republicans can win, that we uh, reintegrate uh, our military industrial capacity, which has been wiped out by the war in Afghanistan and the war in Iraq. We can get our production lines back up, and we have a, uh, a much weaker Russia to worry about, a Russia that will now take 10, 15 years to rebuild. Um, we haven't done any of the fighting, thank God. We haven't lost anybody. Um, uh, but it's, it's dangerous. There's so no, if it there's takes no 10 to 15 years for Russia to rebuild, then they're, then they're no threat to Europe. Not now, not thanks to Ukraine. Well, not for the next 10 or 15 years. Right, not, and, and, but... We didn't know that in February. Tom, they're still telling us if we don't stop Russia in Ukraine and not give them anything as a, as a, a cover to end the conflict, though the next thing they're still saying the next thing they'll go for the Baltics and then they'll go for this. In I February, that was credible. I don't think it is now because well, they've been still smacked in. Now. No, I know they're, they're wrong. But in February, we didn't know. I mean, if 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 NATO wasn't there, would the Baltic states still be free? If we didn't integrate them into NATO, and by the way, they entered NATO with Russian approval, but um, that was back yeah, in... Look, I'm a great fan of the Baltic states. I was chairman of the commission appointed by Ronald Reagan to study the Ukrainian famine and how it was used by Stalin to commit genocide. I've always been uh, supportive of the Slavic people and the people that were under occupation in Eastern Europe. There comes a time when Europe has to be able to take care of itself. The European economy is as large as ours is. Why are we over here gnashing our teeth, scared to death of what's going to happen next when the Europeans weren't willing to take him on? They're still building their socialist state. Right. Well, we fight their wars. Well, we're I'm not. We're, you, we're not fighting their wars. The well, Ukrainians we are fighting. We're, 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 it's our weapons, and at right. any moment, this could get out of control. That's correct. That's and correct. if it does, it will be on us as much as it is on Biden. You're right. Seventy-five percent of the American people are worried that because of what's going on in Ukraine. There's going to be the use of nuclear weapons. I, it's a it's a serious worry. It's a legitimate worry. I think it's being overstated and overused. There's but no. You don't know that, Tom. You don't. Know I don't that. know that, but I don't. I didn't know that any more during the Cold War when we never gave in to nuclear blackmail. When we, we never we submitted ne to we it. We never had leadership like this. That's true. One. You're right about number that. Number two, we never had Russia with their back against the wall. Number three, we never had a Russian leader who himself may be as mentally challenged as our current president is. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We're out of time, but we're going to continue it 
later in the week. Thank you for listening to the Bower and Rose podcast on justthenews.com. You can get us on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great, great day. To be with you. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.